Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I'm really excited about this week's episode because I'm going to be talking about actually how we do something about some of the issues that we face when we have anxiety. So it's going to be a really, really useful episode. So make sure you share it with anybody who you think may benefit from understanding how, in fact, we can do something about these negative thoughts. Now, if you remember from last week, I talked about cognitive distortions and I gave loads of different examples of different types of cognitive distortions that we all have, but that particularly affect us when we have anxiety. If you haven't listened to that episode, then I'd recommend you go back and have a listen because this one is going to follow straight on from that. So hopefully if you have listened to it, you have an idea of which cognitive distortions you tend to do on a regular basis. Some people do loads of them. Some people do one, but they do it all the time. There's a big variety of how people use these cognitive distortions, particularly when they have anxiety. So you're not particularly odd if you had all of them, and you're also not particularly odd if you just have one or two. That's absolutely fine. We're all very unique in the way that we experience anxiety. So the important thing now is that having worked out that these cognitive distortions are issues for us, what do we do about it? And that's the key part. And that's why I'm so excited to share this episode with you this week, because this is where we can start actually making some changes make some changes to the way we think about ourselves, our lives and the people around us and make some changes to the anxiety that may be holding you back. So the key thing to understand is which cognitive distortions you tend to do, when you tend to do them and now we can start thinking about how we can go about changing them. So step one really is to identify the cognitive distortions that we're doing. So you should have already done that if you've listened to last week's podcast. If not, go back and listen to it and also head to my website where there is an exercise that you can download um, and find out which cognitive distortions you tend to do. You can find that at www.anxiety2, that's the letter number two rather, confidence.com. So ideally, and what I recommend clients do is actually write down and make a list of all these thoughts that you have that fit into those cognitive distortion um, categories, basically. So it's useful to write them all down and have a look through and see if there's any common themes. It's really important that when we examine these distortions that we do so kindly. It's very easy to go, well, I'm stupid for thinking this way. Um, But actually, that's not how it works. Anxiety is not stupid. So be aware of these cognitive distortions And just allow yourself to be okay with the fact that people think negatively sometimes. That's okay. If you have anxiety, it might be that you're doing it more often than others. So try not to beat yourself up if you realise you're doing loads of these things. So the good thing about writing down which ones you tend to do is that you get a better idea of when you tend to do them. And that can be quite a key part because we we all have things that set us off. We all have certain triggers, certain situations where we're more prone to anxiety than others. That happens to everybody. That's not 
just for somebody that has a mental health issue. So the key thing is to be aware, much more aware of what happens in our mind in certain situations. So the next thing we need to do, step one is identify the cognitive distortion. The next thing we need to have a look at is what we call examining the evidence. So this is where we have a think about how much evidence there is for that particular cognitive distortion. And when we're trying to challenge the cognitive distortion, we think about how much evidence there is to the contrary of that particular distortion. So for example, if one of your cognitive distortions is to think that you're always stupid or you can't achieve anything or anything along those kind of lines, then the key thing here is to examine the evidence and think about situations where you've had some sort of success. Now, to put this in perspective, I don't mean success like PhDs and stuff like that. I mean, that's great too. And if you've done one of those, then that's amazing. I'm talking small successes, like getting out of bed this morning, even though you really didn't want to. I'm talking about something small that you did at work that was good. Some parenting decision that you made that was of benefit to your child. Even the fact that you managed to cook yourself a meal in the evening instead of ordering takeaway. These are all very valid situations and evidence of success. So try not to get bogged down in the idea that success means huge, big, scary, difficult things because success can be a moment by moment thing. So examine the evidence, have a look for experiences and situations where you've had some sort of success. Another way of looking at cognitive distortions and starting to learn how to challenge them is to use something we call the double standard method. So this is where we consider that if a friend or a loved family member was telling us the same things that we were telling ourselves, how would we respond? We're always inevitably far more harsh on ourselves than we would be on somebody else. So in terms of your cognitive distortions, imagine how you would react if somebody that you cared about was saying those things to themselves. And have a think about how you can talk to yourself in a much more compassionate and caring way that you would talk to a friend or a family member in a similar situation. It is also useful if you're happy to write these down. I find writing things down makes it so much more solid in your mind. It's a really old fashioned thing, I know, but certainly when I have clients in clinic, all of these exercises are done on paper, written out. So another way of challenging cognitive distortions is thinking in shades of gray. So this is particularly useful if one of your cognitive distortions was perfectionism or all or nothing thinking. So instead of thinking about whatever the issue is as particularly good or particularly bad, evaluate things, give it a scale, uh, sorry, give it a score on a scale from 0 to 100. And if it's not 100 out of 100, have a think about evaluating the experience as a partial success. Because things aren't generally that black and white. There's always good and bad in everything. So make sure when you're describing something as all bad you're aware of the good things that have happened that day 
So the scale can be used to make sure that you're not seeing things as 100% bad when actually good things have happened. So give the day a score. When you get home at night, if your instinct is to go, well, today's been awful, give it a score and then think about how there have been positive things that have happened that day as well. So another way that we can challenge cognitive distortions, and this really only works if you have quite a good support system around you, um, which a lot of my clients don't. So if that's the case, then don't worry about this particular one. But if you have somebody whose opinion you actually regard well, then you can ask them whether or not the things that you're thinking are realistic, particularly about yourself. So it might be that you feel anxious about something that's coming up and you feel really, really anxious about it. You could check with a trusted friend or a partner that you trust or a family member that you trust whether or not your anxiety has any basis for truth in that situation. Now, if somebody disagrees with you in terms of the anxiety, try not to take that in a bad way. Try and take it as a learning opportunity to consider how anxious would somebody be in this situation. So another way of challenging cognitive distortions is to be very, very aware of how we define ourselves. So definitions. So it's quite normal for people that I work with who have anxiety to have these definitions about themselves, such as I'm not as good as other people or I'm just a bit weird or things like that, that they say about themselves, that they've kind of become a definition of who they are. This is very closely linked to the global labelling cognitive distortion. So you can have a look into this and you can consider whether or not these particular things are actually as set in stone as you originally thought they were. So it might be that you are a little bit weird, but then in the grand scheme of things, everyone is, so it's not really worth worrying about. If we describe ourselves as somebody who can never achieve anything, then have a think about how true that is. There may well be things that you failed at. There are things that I failed at spectacularly, which is a big part of my story of how I got here. But that doesn't mean that I define myself as a failure. It means that I learn and grow from the things that went wrong. Being less good at certain things doesn't make you inferior overall. We all have different skills and different um, things that we've learned along the way. And no two people really have the same skill set necessarily. So make sure when you're defining yourself as something negative, you consider how true that is. So another way of challenging a cognitive distortion is what we call reattribution. So this is particularly for people who do things like personalization. So that personalization is where we blame ourselves for the problems and things that go on. So in this particular situation, the key thing here is to identify things outside of you that have contributed to the problem. It's always best that we worry more about how to resolve issues than who caused the issue and how much you're responsible for the issue being caused. And the key thing here is to identify ways to cope with these issues. 
Now this can work both ways. So reattributing finding external reasons why things happened is fine if you're guilty of personalization however if you're a person who identified the cognitive distortion of thinking that everything is everybody else's fault then you need to do the opposite so you need to reattribute some of the responsibility onto yourself and consider how could i have changed this situation what could i have done differently in this situation because most of the situations we end up in, they're a to and fro between different people. So everybody in this situation has a responsibility. So identify in a much more calm, realistic way how much responsibility you really have in that situation. So finally, the last one I'm going to talk you through is called cost-benefit analysis. And this is one of my particular favourites uh, because negative thoughts are going to crop up. They, they always do, unfortunately. But what you can do is list the advantages and the disadvantages of those feelings, thoughts and behaviours. The point of cost-benefit analysis is to help us understand what we're gaining from bad, distorted thinking and inappropriate behaviour and also help us understand how it's holding us back too. So there's always some sort of positive loop involved, even in quite negative thoughts and behaviours. So generally speaking, we wouldn't behave in a certain way unless we get something out of it. So it's really, really helpful when you look at your cognitive distortions to consider how they help you, whether they help you, and to make a list of ways in which those thoughts help you and ways in which they don't help you. And then you can make a decision yourself as to whether or not that thought is useful to you or not. Now, generally speaking, cognitive distortions aren't that beneficial to us. We think they are because we think that we're being protected from something. And that's what anxiety is. It's our brains trying to protect us from things that we're scared of. But the reality is that the negatives or the negative impact of cognitive distortions vastly outweighs the positivity of being protected or being safe or being whatever positive it is that you come, come up with. So understanding that these thoughts initially feel useful to you, but actually in the long term have lots of downsides, is really, really helpful because it gives us a lot more control. We can make a decision at that point. How helpful is this thought to me? And that can help us make more realistic decisions because what can sometimes happen with anxiety is people realise that their thinking patterns are a bit disordered and then they don't know what's normal anymore. They don't know what's right or wrong. Not that there is a right or wrong, but right or wrong to you. So cost-benefit analysis allows you to really think about how useful something is to you. And this can be for patterns of behaviour as well. So I don't specialise in weight loss, but something that I personally find useful is to think about what do I get out of eating something that is not good for me? Obviously, there is a pleasure element. It tastes nice, but there's also lots and lots of downsides to doing that outside of normal treating and things like that, obviously. And that's how you can think about your thoughts. So when you're panicking about doing a talk in front of people, you can consider how helpful are these thoughts that I'm going to fail, I'm going to mess it all up. Now, they do have a positive that they're trying to protect you, but they have many, many negatives. So that's the point at which you can go, right, that particular thought is not that beneficial to me. So I'm going to do something about it. 
So there's a quick rundown about how we can challenge cognitive distortions. I would strongly recommend that you have a look back over my previous podcasts um, where I talk about cognitive distortions and also what anxiety is as well. That feeds quite nicely into this one. Next week, I'm going to go through how you find alternative thoughts. So for each of those cognitive distortions, there are things you can ask yourself and there are things that you can think instead that are much more beneficial and much more useful to you. So please make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you can get updates when the next one is available. If you have liked and appreciated the help that I'm giving over these podcasts, then please do review it um, and give me a rating. So that's really helpful for other people who may be interested in finding how they can overcome their anxiety. And I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.